This is the Two-Tone Uncensored Podcast. Hosts Matt McCrone, Brian Moreland, and Glenn Lotzenheiser talk everything Tennessee Titans. This show is made for the fans of Bleed Two-Tone Blue. Justin Hartwig, and you're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored. Hello, and welcome to Two-Tone Uncensored. I'm your host, Ryan Moreland. With me tonight, everyone's favorite naysayer, Matt Nacrone. How you doing, Matt? You know, I really hate when you start the show with, hello. That's the only reason I do it anymore. And also with me, back from his very suspicious trip in Houston, Glenn Lotzenheiser. How you doing, Glenn? Well, I have thoroughly scouted out the... Uh feelings in Houston. I can tell you that the fan base down there is not supporting the team at all. They are a, uh, a broken nation. No, nobody walking around with any kind of Texas gear on or anything. I was walking around on my Titan stuff. No one had anything to say to me. You know, I didn't even get a single just bad look. So, yeah. The, the, the Texans fans are broken right now. Is it safe to say that they're converting over? If they have it, they're about to. Listen, I know Deshaun's in town, but Marcus has already got the ball rolling, so they better get on now before it's too late. Yeah, the the, the bandwagon is officially in play. There's no more room on left on the actual I'm a real fan at this point. But tell us what uh, we really want to know. How are the restaurants in Houston? Fucking awesome. I love that town <laughs> if I could just do something about the weather. And their sports teams. No, I, I like the Rockets. I like the Astros. Just fuck the Texans. They don't deserve a football team. They let the uh, the Oilers leave, so screw them. Before we jump into the show here, ladies and gentlemen, I wanted to tell you that we have a new 2016 highlight video up for the Tennessee Titans, something that I personally worked on and put together. I uh, hope you check it out. It'll be on our Facebook, and you can see it and follow the link to our YouTube channel in order to watch it. It's about seven minutes long. It's a little long, but if you're not going to watch the whole thing, I definitely recommend cutting to the end just to check it out because the ending's really cool. We have one more announcement before we jump into the show proper. Last week we talked about how we were going to do the trivia contest in order to give away these tickets to the Titans home game week 9 against the Ravens, but we're actually going to switch from that. Due to our busy schedules, we just don't have the time to sit down and interview with 20 different people. So what we're going to do is we're going to raffle these tickets off. To buy a raffle ticket, all you have to do is PayPal us the money. Our PayPal is twotoneuncensored at gmail.com. It's $2 per ticket, $5 for three tickets, or $10 for ten tickets. Anything above $10 is a dollar per ticket. You can buy as many as you want. The raffle is going to start this week. We're going to let it go a couple of weeks, and then we're going to announce the winner live on air. We're going to randomly pick a number. And then we'll see who that is and announce it on air. Who wins these tickets? Again, that's to the Week 9 home game against the Baltimore Ravens. If you have any questions about the raffle, feel free to email us. TwoToneUncensored at gmail.com is our email. And as always, big thanks to Brandon Williams who gave us the tickets so we could raffle them off. All the money that we're making off of this raffle is going to funding the show. We're not making any money off of it. We're just going into the show so we can make the show better and keep it going. Uh, So definitely, if you like hearing the show, 
throw a couple bucks out there, get yourself a ticket, and you might have a, you know a chance to go see your Titans play in Nashville at Nissan Stadium. But enough with the admin stuff. Let's get into the show, guys. All right, uh, going into the mailbag here, guys. We had quite a few listeners ask us similar questions, so we're combined it into one question here. Uh, Will Rush, Peter Diapola, these guys all asked, how many touchdowns do you think Marcus will throw for the season? I'm going to say 45. That's what he had the uh, last two years combined, so we'll go with that. Probably a more realistic number somewhere in the 30s. Yeah, I think 40 is probably a little too high. I think he definitely breaks 30 for sure, but – you know, uh, everybody's on this, this hype train that is the Tennessee Titans. So it's way too early to worry about that right now. I don't care if he throws 20, if it means we win 16 games. You know what I mean? Fuck it. I'm going with 160. He's going to average 10 touchdowns a game. Um, well, just passing. He'll probably have 13 a game if you factor in running. Uh, but I, I think that he is going to set a record. That'll never be broken. Uh, on a real note, though, I think – Probably around, I'll say 32. To throw out a number, 32 is what I'm going to stick with. I, I think he's going to do great. I think we're still a rushing team, though. You know, even with the new addition that we're going to talk about, he's still, this is still a run-first team. Uh, but I think that he's going to continue to improve. He improved from year one to year two. I think he's going to improve from year two to year three. There's no reason not to believe in Marcus right now. Yeah, our offense is definitely a run-first. We, we run to open the pass. We don't pass to open the run, so... Um, with all these new additions, you got to remember it's just like having a, a rookie running back coming in with Derrick Henry, who has not been unleashed yet. So add him with Demarco Murray, and, and we're going to see a lot of runs. All right, guys, let's move on to the next question here. Sonny Ali asks, "Where will Decker land in our depth chart?" Day one, probably two to three. Uh, they're they're going to open up the competition obviously and then he'll have to earn his spot from there but it'd be unreasonable to expect a guy with his accomplishments and what he brings to the table to not be your number one your number two guy and then everybody else is just fighting for playing time from there and he will be too it's going to be a heavy rotation i expect but you know he's a proven run blocker he's a big guy he's a good red zone target he runs a great route tree he's going to be your one or two yeah where exactly he falls doesn't really matter I, i'm gonna go ahead and say he'll be number two on the depth chart but there's gonna be a lot of rotation um i think he's best suited as the number two although he did do some great work in denver as the slot receiver so i would not be surprised to see him in heavy rotation you know in and out so there's gonna be a lot of guys switching around um you know if it, if we find something that works we're not gonna we're not going to change it if we don't have to, but I do think we're going to throw a lot of different uh, sets in there. So I expect to see a lot of guys all over the place. He's going to come in as top two. Um, I'm giving the edge to Matthews, obviously, because Matthews knows the system off the bat. Uh, you know, But you talked about, Matt, how he played in the slot in Denver. He played on the sideline uh, in New York. So he can play pretty much anywhere you plug him. He's going to be successful. He's a good wide receiver. Uh, with very versatile skills, like Glenn said, also a good blocker. I think that initially he starts off at two, and he'll stay in the top two. Corey Davis is going to learn a lot from Matthews and Decker in his first year. Uh, but it, like you said, like you both of you said, doesn't really matter. This is going to be a heavy rotation. Let's move on to the next question here. Greg Thomas asks, 
Does the Decker signing change your expectations for the Titans? Not significantly. I mean, it does a little bit. You know, it has to, but not significantly. Uh, they're still going to win at least nine games, I think, probably a little bit more. He just makes the uh, the function of the offense will be improved, and you're going to have a lot more faith in what the receivers are doing out there, better competition. So everybody will get better. I don't know how much it changes my expectations for the team as far as reaching the playoffs. That's that's step one. What they do once they get there and his, his playoff experience, he, he should bring the rest of the unit up with him and just be that much better of a group for Marcus. Exactly. I mean, you know, you might see – you might see great chemistry. I don't know if you guys um, took notice to a stat that was thrown out there. Let me see if I can find it. It was it was red zone related. It was like um, between Marcus and Decker, those two have been like top uh, in the top five between the both of them as far as uh, red zone touchdowns. So the chemistry should be there right off the bat. I think it will be uh, as far as actual wins turning into it's hard to say, you know, there might be a game or two where Decker actually does go ahead and, and get us over the hill uh, in the win column. So like Glenn said, I just expect more from everybody with him as a key piece uh, to the team. I think it's a great signing and I love the deal. We'll get into that in a little bit, but the, the one year deal is perfect for me right now. Yeah. Um, I believe it was Marcus, obviously the best red zone quarterback and Decker, I think was like second and, in- red zone touchdowns among wide receivers or something like that. Obviously a very intriguing pairing when you have a quarterback that plays this good in the red zone and you get a guy that is also, you know, a fiend when it comes in the red zone. It's awesome to see that. It's, I mean, I'm excited to see what those two guys do inside the 20. As for the question though, uh, yeah, I think it does. It does change your expectations a little bit. I think that maybe a, a, you add a game or two to what you expected us to have. Um, you know, we might win another game. Our offense is going to be hard to stop. I mean, you think best offensive line in the nation, according to Pro Football Focus, and, and at least top three. If like, if even if you hate the Titans, you have to admit this is one of the best offensive lines in the league. You have a great tight end. Now you have a, a solid batch of wide receivers. You have one of the best backfields in the nation, and then you have a young quarterback that has progressed every year and shows a ton of promise i mean that's scary that is scary i think that we're going to be one of the most um one of the hardest offenses in all of the league to play because of all of everything really came together on the offensive side of the football and decker was the final piece uh to put it all together so yeah i definitely it raises my expectations a little bit but it doesn't i'm not getting crazy i don't think we're gonna you know, win 15 games this year. I, I still think, like Glenn said, around 10 games is probably where, where we will end up. Um, and I like the fact that I, I think you guys have both seen it, uh, but Eric Decker sat down with Mike Keith for an interview, and he asked him what his goal was here in Tennessee, and he said to win a Super Bowl. He wanted a ring, and obviously great to hear as a fan. That, that's never a bad thing to hear. If you come here and you don't want to win a Super Bowl, we got problems right you know right now, today. So yeah, that, that's what we—that's what he needed to say, and that's what we want. So we'll, we'll take it. All right, guys. Moving on to the last question here. Uh, this one's an interesting one. It was hard for me to come up with an answer for this. Let's see how you guys do. Jay Russell asks, 
Who has the best wide receiver core in the AFC South? Uh, going through, uh, not the Jags. Texans got Hopkins and who else? They got uh, Fuller and Fuller and Braxton Miller. Is that yeah. who? They, they got a ton of speed. It's a real potential, but we haven't seen it yet from anybody other than just Hop. And I don't know anybody other than T.Y. Hilton. Who's who else on the Colts? They got like Philip Dorsett. It's a lot of speed guys. Yeah, yeah. They, they got a bunch go, of speed. I, we're unproven, but I'm going to say us. I don't. I don't see the Jags don't contend. I don't think um, Allen Robinson's solid. There's no question about that. Just as well as you know, New Hopkins is solid, and so is T.Y. Hilton. But um, I think all three of those guys could be considered close to a top ten receiver. Uh, T.Y. Hilton probably is in the top 10. Nuke Hopkins could be. I think he was at one point. Kind of fell off last year a little bit. Uh, I don't think Allen Robinson is is you know quite in that conversation. I think he's close. But uh, as far as the other receivers to go with those guys, I'm not impressed. I think as a whole, even though we are unproven, um, Eric Decker's got a lot to prove coming in off this injury. Uh, Corey Davis, obviously the number five pick. With all the things, including Delaney Walker at a tight end as a receiver, I'm going to go ahead and say us. I think it has to be us. I mean, those, those other groups, you know, the Texans guys, without a quarterback, it doesn't matter what they've got out there. And they've got, a, you know, both the Texans and the Colts have got a bunch of speed, but they're not proven guys right now. And the, the Colts are driven by their quarterback. The Texans don't have a quarterback. So uh, as far as... Whoa, the group man. goes. I like ours better. They don't have a quarterback, Matt. Deal with it. All right. <laughs> they, they they do. He's just not ready yet. Yeah. So they don't have a quarterback right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know the Jaguars. They have to be in that conversation, though. They've got a couple of really good pieces in Robinson and Allen. Uh, they added some more value there this year. I think they're probably number two as far as if you were putting together a receiver core, what you would like best. You know, the, the Jaguars with uh, Hearns and Robinson, they've added extra speed in this year because they needed a speed guy to go in there. They've got a really solid you know, receiving core. And as much as we hate the Jags, you know, if you went with proven production, they, they might have the number one group. But I believe with what we've done you know, by bringing in Decker, what Matthews showed us last year, what we've brought in with Corey Davis, we probably have the best one through five. So I, I'm going to go with the Titans. Uh, the Jaguars are probably the only group that has proven production that you would have in that conversation for me because the Texans and the Colts, you know, the Colts got Hilton and a bunch of nothing, just really fast guys. And the same thing goes on with the uh, the Texans. They've got Hopkins and young, really fast guys. So, Titans. I think it'd easy, be easy for a lot of people looking in uh, that don't know the division well to just say, one of the other teams because I think every team has a better number one wide receiver than we do. And, you know, and Allen Robinson, T.Y. Hilton, and Nuke, um, you're talking about three guys that are in that class of, you know, top 15, top 20 receivers like Matt was talking about. Uh, but when you add depth into it, I think it has to be us. When you're talking about one through five, all those guys, all those teams have a really solid number one guy. Um but even if you just did, you know, one and two, and that was it, and you were judging it, I would still have to go with us with Matthews and Decker, and then you add in a top five pick that shows a lot of promise, 
you know, after that you have two solid players. You have Harry Douglas as well. Yeah, I, I definitely think that it has to be us. Then you also, like Glenn was saying, when you factor in quarterback, you know, the Jags have a guy that is declining early in his career is declining. Texans don't have anybody. And then you have Andrew Luck, who is an exceptional quarterback, but he has T.Y. Hilton and then, like, you know, Philip Dorsett, the speed guys. That's it. It's it's speed guys that aren't good wide receivers. They're just fast. Um, So the only two teams have a legit QB to get the ball out to the wide receivers. So I think that limits it to us, you know, us and the Colts, if you're being honest about it. And I just think that ours is definitely better than the Colts. They have T.Y. Hilton, who is probably the best receiver in our division, uh, like Matt was talking about, but they don't have anybody else, you know, outside of him to really make that a good wide receiver core. We have a deep receiving core now. That's why I would definitely say the Titans have to be the best. Can you guys tell me who the Colts' tight end is this year? Because Fleener's gone, Dwayne Allen's gone. I don't know who the hell they got. It must be Jack Doyle. They signed Brandon, Brandon Williams. I don't know if that'll help them or not. Probably still Doyle. No, I think well, yeah, Doyle might be the best, the second best receiver on that team. He, I think he is. I, I would completely agree with that. Yeah, Dorsett's one of those guys. He's just so fast that he's going to make some plays for you. So his highlight reel looks kind of impressive. But that's you know one play every three games, one play every four games kind of guy. I mean, that's what you're getting out of him. So yeah, I definitely would agree with you. Doyle's our second best. He, he's catcher. a guy you have to pay attention to. Uh, just because he's so damn fast, but beyond that, he he doesn't he doesn't run great routes. He doesn't do anything else really well. So he just he's a guy that you pay attention to because he's really fucking fast. And after that, the conversation is pretty much over with him. He's got right. a lot of work to do before he's a a real receiver. Ken's I mean got a discre- great go route. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to discredit you guys. I completely forgot about Dante Moncrief. He's he's better than. Jack Doyle, oh no! But... That you're you're right. He is better yeah, than Jack right. Doyle. I would think. <laughs> and he's fast too. He he is really fast. He's got a lot of potential. Uh, he, he's another one of those go route guys, though. I'll say this: as I do, I actually do respect Moncrief. Um, T. Y. Hilton is better than any of our receivers as of right now, but I would take Rashard Matthews over Dante Moncrief. But Moncrief is oh. is a solid receiver. I just I completely forgot about who was even on their team. But yeah. Yeah, the thing is, is I'd take Decker over Moncrief too, and I think there's the, so definitely I. the potential that at the you know halfway through the season, at the end of the season, that you could add Corey Davis to that list uh, of yeah. people you take over Moncrief. So I mean, that just it goes to show you another way that you know we're a better wide receiver core. Our ceiling is higher than any other, so you can look at it that way. Yeah, and our, our ceiling across the group too. Uh, just as far as when you you look at the group. There's, there's enough promise there that you're pretty sure that this is going to be a really solid group in a year or two. Uh, whether Decker's still here in a year or two, probably a different question, but the, the rest of this crew should be really good. All right, guys, that's all we had for the mailbag. As everyone that listens to the show knows, to get on the mailbag, you want a, your question heard, all you got to do is find us on Facebook at Two-Tone Podcast or just search for Two-Tone Uncensored. Uh, we put out a post every week to ask everybody for their questions all you have to do is comment your question there or you can also find it if you're a member of the two our tennessee titans uncensored fan page uh, and if you're not uh, a member you definitely should be it's the best titans fan page that you'll find on the internet so let's jump into the news here guys first up obviously the signing of eric decker 
and we got them for a lot cheaper than I expected. Me and Matt have talked about this a lot the last, you know, since Decker was released. I thought he was going to be a more expensive guy, but it was uh, $5.35 million with $3.85 guaranteed for one season. So even if he comes on our team and gets injured, he's just making just under $4 million. It's not that big of a cap hit for a team. You know, we still have, I think it's like 42 or something like that, million dollars to work with in our cap. So uh, it was a really friendly contract to the team, a great signing, and just one more reason to love you some John Robinson. Maybe I'm with some faulty information, but the the deal that I got uh, that I'm looking at, it's up to 5.35 mil. Uh, the signing bonus is 2.5. His salary base is 1.35 up to uh, 1.5 with incentives. And I'm not sure if that's accurate or not, but no, I thought that's, that's what it was. That's the same thing. Um, the bonus and the salary are guaranteed. That's why I just added them together to make the 3.85 okay. guaranteed. Yeah, this gotcha. is guaranteed. The rest is performance bonus stuff. So. Gotcha. Yep. I, I hope he earns every dollar. I don't care. We have money to burn. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, if he's gonna if he's gonna come here to collect some money, that's fine with me because he's gonna earn it. So, uh, great deal again by John Robinson, like you just said. I don't think you know for as long as John Robinson's been here, and I actually had this uh, conversation on the page today where uh, people were talking about you know the the culture change and and the hype the hype is real, blah blah blah. A lot of people give John Robinson his credit, which is due obviously, but you got to look at. The big picture. Look at what Amy Adams has done uh, hiring John Adams when he didn't have a track record before here. I mean, obviously he was a scout in New England and, and he went to Tampa Bay before here. But you know, she made this hire. She's making these changes to the facilities. John Robinson has been nothing but excellent. I don't know other than you know the only smudge you may have on his resume as of right now is Kevin Dodd, which is unproven right now. Um, Comparing him to Rustin Webster is like, I, I don't even know, a, a good comparison. I'm sure Glenn will come up with one. But, I mean, he's he's done no wrong so far. And the players are going to start buying into this culture change. And, and it's long overdue. But Amy Adams and John Robinson deserve a lot of credit here. Yeah, they, they have really worked out the last you know year and a half here. Just, you know, all credit to Amy and to uh, – Underwood, they made the right decisions. They brought in the right guy, both as the GM and obviously as a coach. Whether people, you know, there are still people out there who don't like Malarkey. Uh, they're never going to like Malarkey, so it doesn't matter. If he wins a Super Bowl, maybe they can have that conversation. But otherwise, he's always going to be the wrong pick. Yeah, well, you know, there you are. Uh, but th- there's, there's going to be people who don't like it no matter what you do. So you can't worry about them. It's obviously been a great pick. You know, this is a great contract. This is what John Robinson does. He gets people at good value. It just you know it's the difference in having a good GM who makes contracts that are friendly to the player, that are friendly to the team, where he can come in here in one year prove that he's you know going to be the man, and he's he's only got just a few years left probably of production, but at his size he's going to be able to be a red zone target regardless, uh, even as he starts to lose a step and get a little bit older. But he wants to be in Nashville. That's where his wife is. That's you know. Him coming to Nashville to spend the rest of his career is a perfect fit. So it's a good contract. It's a good fit as far as the town and the team and the potential. And we need a true, high-productive veteran on this roster. He, he's going to run you a better route tree than anybody we've got. 
I promise you he's the best route runner on this team today, and he's going to make every other guy on this team better. And it, it's, it's a beautiful signing. For sure. It, if he comes back, you know, to even close to what he was before, any anybody that's a non-believer right now is going to change their tune. There's no doubt about it. Oh, they're going to have to, for sure. Absolutely a great signing. The one thing, like, I was nervous about this. I, I wasn't huge on Decker at first because I thought he was going to command. I didn't think he was going to command, like, this was it 7.25 he made in um, New York. But I thought he was going to be above that 6.5 mark. And that made me a little bit nervous. Uh, I'm glad that, I mean, we went way under that. We went under 5.5. So, great signing. I and mean, John Robinson, hats off to him. And like you said with Amy Adams, definitely doesn't get her credit. You know, for bringing in John Robinson, for doing what she's done. You know, the stadium upgrades. They're doing the uniform stuff soon. I'll tell you, I 100% honesty. When when Bud passed away, I was scared for our franchise. I thought, you know, with an owner dying like that, your chances of moving are so high. Your chances of being sold are so high. And she came in, and I was nervous about it. And and she's done an excellent job. I mean, she's done everything. And her power in order to prove that she should be the owner of this team. Definitely. I will tell you straight up that when uh, the Web- Webster was, you know, in full uh, full effect, just to making terrible draft pick after terrible draft pick, and we brought in Wiz, and we were so awful. I honestly thought they were trying to suck so they could move. I, I really did, uh, you know, especially when the league started questioning the ownership structure, and there were. You know, some members of the family wanting to sell, some members of the family wanting to keep it. I really thought they were looking to get out. Now it looks like they're looking to build a winner so they can get a new stadium. That's what I expect them to be doing because Nissan Stadium is getting old, and they're, they're spending money renovating it. But when you go in there and then you go into another stadium somewhere else, the, the, the age is going to show. Uh, so I, I think there's going to be a uh, stadium referendum coming up here sometime in the next few years. Probably if we start doing some playoff vi- victories, expect – you know, the city of Nashville to be asked to pony up a little bit, but we'll see how that works out. But I honestly thought they were looking to sell. I've had arguments with people on Facebook about that, that the moves we were making made so little sense to me. It looked like we were trying to be a shitty team to drive down attendance so we could leave, you know, major league style. That's what it looked like to me because we were just intentionally sucking and doing just the opposite of what you do to build the team, like letting the offensive line deteriorate, you know, not supporting the, uh, quarterbacks by giving them quality targets bringing in just one bad slow running back after another bad slow running back (laughs) we let the defensive secondary fall apart it looked to me like we were trying to be a bad team and i'm really proud of what amy adams has done and the turnaround that they've made in just just two years you know no one questions that the titans want to be here and that they want to be part of this city now and part of that maybe john robinson maybe they brought in some new pr guys Tying in with the Predators, you know, getting the whole city excited about them and trying to drag some of that sunshine from the Predators over to the Titans and fill out our stadium, too. You know, they've really turned just the atmosphere around this team around a full 180 degrees. Yeah, when you bring in a guy who doesn't know what the hell he's doing, like Tommy Smith, and you have him running your organization with Rustin Webster as your GM, who... Shouldn't even have a job. I'm pretty sure he's still employed with Atlanta. How, I have no idea. But, uh, I mean, that was not that long ago. We had Jake Locker, who's already retired, out, you know, straight out of his rookie contract. He retired and, and probably, you know, sitting at home fishing. Um, 
to get rid of those guys. And, and, you know, honestly, when we were at that point, when, you know, the, the NFL's crying about how uh, our ownership's not the way it should be and we don't have a firm, firm owner and, and blah, blah, blah. Amy Adams has completely turned that around. But when we were at that point, you know, I wanted them to sell, sell to the FedEx guy, the local FedEx, whoever the hell he was, whoever wanted to buy. I just wanted stability. And that's something we didn't have. But Amy Adams has stepped up completely to fill those shoes. And we're in a so much like it, it's it's complete 180 from where we were. And I wouldn't want from not knowing the uncertainty to, yeah, we should sell, get rid of, you know, get rid of the six owners that we have. Amy completely changed my mind. Like I'm, I don't want, I don't want them to sell. I didn't think they were really going to leave the city, but I did think that, you know, a sale of the team was, was pretty much going to happen. But, you know, I don't know if the league still has any complaints with how the, how the Titans are run right now. Uh, but, you know, from me not knowing what the hell was going to happen to where we are today, I, I absolutely want Amy Adams running this team, and I want John Robinson a part of it for as long as we can have him. Absolutely. Um, one piece of news here. We also waived uh, Braylon Cherry to make room for Decker. Obviously, um, it's always nice to be able to wave a camp body and pick up a guy who's, you know, had a, a great career like Decker's had. So not really that newsworthy, but I thought we'd bring it up just because it was part of the Decker move. Let me ask you something. You know, we're talking about addition and subtraction. How are you guys? I mean, right now I feel pretty solid about the season coming up. When we start seeing cuts from other teams and we go ahead and we scoop up a veteran corner, or we, you know, we make – a solid uh, addition on the defense, our heads are going to be huge. Like, I already feel good. I know our secondary is not proven yet. But we, we have made additions there, and I still think we're, we're not quite done there yet. But when we make another key uh, acquisition, you know, the height train is pretty much as big as it's going to get, but it, it may get even bigger. I mean, I'll tell you this. I haven't felt this good about the our team since – McNair left. I mean, I wasn't. I, I liked Vy, but I didn't see enough from him. I did not like Jake Locker the entire time we was here. Back, you know, back then we had such a solid roster, and it was, you know, perennial playoff team. Even if it was, you know, short-lived playoffs, but we were a powerful team. We were good. And then, you know, after McNair leaving, it was a lot of mediocre. And and mediocre was like the height of it. Outside of that, was a 2010 season or 2008 season, whatever it was, then you, you get to now. I mean, it's been our, our best seasons are like 9-7 and seven and missing the playoffs, and our worst seasons are like two wins. And, and now we're back at the point where we're definitely firmly in the playoff hunt. I mean, I, I'm, I'm the pessimist on the show uh, normally, but I'm, I'm so excited for this season. I think we have a dangerous offense. I think our defense could use some improvement. But if, like you said, if we get – if we even get that one guy, that veteran solid corner from here until the time the season starts, I think that we are a shoe-in, an easy shoe-in to win our division. Now, I don't think there would be much question about it. I mean, the team that we have built, especially offensively, is so dangerous. Defense could use some improvement, but we still have a lot of solid pieces on defense. If we get that one guy that can be 
you know, opposite uh, of Logan Ryan, you know, while we bring up the younger guys, that would be like I would for sure. I think that that would put us in the low end of of Super Bowl contender. You know, the guys that you expect to be there uh, in the playoffs, you expect to be in the divisional round. Uh, that's where I think you would have to put the Titans. I'm uh, I'm excited. I'm so excited for football to start. I mean, it's dragging on now, especially that we're making moves like this, and, and you just see how excited the city is, how excited other fans are. It is, I mean, the hype train, like you guys said, it's moving, and it's, uh, man, it's just exciting. It's an exciting time to be a Tennessee Titans uh, fan. I was going to say, did you guys see the, it's actually the pinned post on Tennessee Titans Uncensored, where yesterday morning on uh, Good Morning Football, Nate Burleson and uh, those guys, they literally had, I believe it was like a 10-minute segment on the Titans on, on how we've improved and, and where we are right now. It's actually a great video. If you guys haven't checked it out, please do so. Um, the, the national hype, it takes it takes like a half – it turns your, your half-empty glass into a half-full glass because it's something we haven't had in so long. We can hear you know us talk about the Titans all day long, but when you hear national recognition, it, it just shows – the strides that we're making and it's it's great to see yeah the, one of the biggest things is every time they start talking about you know the best running back duos in the league or the most promising quarterback in the league or the best receiver group in the league the you know, the best defense in the league and the titans are coming into those conversations now whereas before we were the opposite of that you know we are in the, the the worst receiving core in the league the worst offensive line in the league you know the worst defense in the league so Things have completely changed for us. You know, all sides went up. And so anybody else saying that, you know, the Titans are coming up, they should be saying that now. Uh, the thing that holds me back a little bit in my excitement is just our secondary uh, until I see how it's going to work. Because we have three guys back that I think are slot uh, slot defenders or else you're number two guy. So I don't know who's going to end up being the real number one. Uh, I, the expectation would be that it will be a Dory at some point. But – I, I don't believe in Logan Ryan as your number one guy um, in New England. He was kind of shown to not be that guy. So that's that's where my hesitation still is. I completely expect us to make the playoffs. Our secondary is still better right now than it was last year. We, we won't be cutting anybody later on in the season who was a starter for most of the season. There won't be a Cox going on here. Uh, there, none of that stuff will be happening. I don't expect to see Valentino Blake style just – what the hell was he doing out there? Mistakes. So the secondary is going to be better no matter what. I just I don't know what we're going to have with that yet. But I feel great about the rest of the team. Um, just now, Matt, I actually shared that video on our Facebook page at Two Tone Uncensored for anybody who hasn't seen it. And it's nice. You know, Glenn, you weren't here last week, but me and Matt were talking about um, with Chris on the show. I remember, like, even when they would say something bad about us on TV a couple of years ago, I was just excited to hear the Titans be talked about. <laughs> this you know, is true. Not being local, as soon as they got on national TV, they were like, they'd come on and be like, hey, Titans suck ass. You'd be like, hey, we're on TV. Like, you get excited. Um, But now people are recognizing. People are starting to recognize this is a team that is built to win. It is built to win a lot of games. It is built for the playoffs. It's exciting. I mean, it, that's all you can say about it. Is it's very exciting. 
Yeah, I mean, it's only June, and I think he Burles made that point. He's like, if you're sitting here watching this right now, good for you. But he's like, uh, it, it's so early right now, but the, the hype is so real. And uh, it, it's just, I can't stress, you know, these last five years have been awful as a Titans fan. But, you know, I've survived, you've survived. We're, you know, we're all here waiting for this one moment. And I, I think, honestly, from a fan standpoint, I don't watch – a lick of hockey, but the fact that the Preds were able to make that run and, you know, turn those fans into, you know, somewhat of a winning culture in Nashville, I definitely see it translating, you know, over to Nissan stadium and showing a lot of support for this team. Yeah, uh, I fully expect that. Yeah. hundred percent agree. The last piece of news here, guys, before we head into the break, Vince Young's comeback has been cut short. He was released by the Saskatchewan Rough Riders after a hamstring injury. Uh, you know, he announced that he was making his comeback. He wanted to get back in the NFL, and he couldn't make the final roster of a Canadian football team. Definitely not looking good for our former QB. I mean, it is what it is. He, he, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was just a ploy to start his realty company, but, uh, yeah, he was out of the league. He was done. I, he, you know, the the thing with him, once he left, I thought when he landed in Green Bay behind Aaron Rodgers, I'm like, wow. Even after the Philly bullshit that we all heard about the Dream Team, when he was able to get that backup gig behind Aaron Rodgers, I thought he would never have to literally have to, to do any more uh, starting in this league, keep his job for probably at that time, you know, for the next four or five years and have the best job in football behind Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you know, I don't know how that didn't translate, but the fact that he was, you know, I don't even think he was there a quarter of the year. I don't know what happened there, but when he left there, he, he got a, a job as a uh, Texas University of Texas coach. I believe he had some sort of DUI or something like that that got him fired. Um and after that, you know, that that was it. But apparently, you know, you get your second year, your third or fourth chances in Canada, but, you know, this this injury is pretty much going to put the nail in the coffin for him. Yeah, and that's how I tweeted it out, that this was the nail in the coffin. You know, show's over. And the fact that they let him go after such a minor injury, I mean, this wasn't like a career-ending type of injury or anything. It is in this case, but that's not how, it, how the injury itself would be. It's just he was – there is much for publicity and to bring interest into the team. It was a minor league thing where you bring in a washed-up major league player just to build up some talk about the team to make people pay attention for a few minutes. That's all him going there was in the first place. So he's done. We all know he's done. And like Matt, I thought whenever he got to uh, Green Bay, he hit the promised land. I was like, just toe the line, uh, learn to fucking playbook, and just be a decent player back there. And you're never going to have to play. You're never going to have to do anything. You just go there and just soak up the glory behind Aaron Rodgers. And that's that's about as good of a backup gig as you could hope for. You know, at least behind Rodgers, you've got a, a fairly young guy who's going to be able to play a lot. If you're backing up Tom Brady, there's going to be talk about you and people looking at you, you know, which is nice, but you don't have to do anything. So backing up one of the superstar quarterbacks, that was a great spot for Vince. He fucked that up. He fucked up being a coach. Like Matt said, publicity for his realty company is probably about all this was. Yeah, you bring up some great points. Um, both of you guys did. 
I definitely think it was a publicity thing to try to get, you know, sell a couple extra more tickets, maybe sell a jersey here or there, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, just think about it this way. Would we be talking about the CFL if, if this didn't happen? Like, absolutely not. So they did their job. I mean, the Rough Riders win in this in this instance. But, yeah, the fat lady's sung. Vince, Vince Young's done. Uh, you know, football's definitely over for him. And it just – kid had a lot of talent, a ton of talent, but he just never seemed to have his mind where it needs to be in order to be successful in this league. Or even successful in Canada, it seems like. But, um, I mean, I guess just good riddance is all you can say now where we're setting at. Just to, you know, we just spent the last 15 minutes – talking about how great the team is and and basically kissing ass to every person that owns the team or runs the team or you know even the water boy it's obviously better better times without him than it was with him but that's about all we have for the first half of the show we're gonna take a quick commercial break when we come back we're gonna talk about everything from decker to this team a whole bunch of stuff we have for you in the second half of the show so definitely stay tuned Time to pay the bills. Some quick ads and we'll get right back to the show. Hey Titans fans, you've probably heard us talk about the group page several times on this show and I'm sure you're wondering what we're talking about. Tennessee Titans Uncensored is a Facebook group page that was built by Titans fans for Titans fans and was founded by our very own Matt Necrone. If you're a Titans fan that's looking to talk about the latest Titan news, then this is where you need to be. And you can help me shit talk to crackheads. Because nobody likes crackheads. That is Tennessee Titans Uncensored on Facebook. Tighten up. Hey guys, you've heard us talk about Hang 10 Apparel before on the show, and if you haven't checked them out, then you're truly missing out. Hang 10 is the one place to find unique Titans gear that you will not find anywhere else. Whether it's a Maragoda hoodie, a Mahalo Etcha Boy t-shirt, or Mike Keith's Music City Miracle Call on a sweater. There are no flags on the field! It's a miracle! The only place to find it is Hang 10. Just go to hangtn.com to find all this great gear. And while you're there, don't forget to use our promo code 2TONE to get 10% off any purchase. That's hangtn.com, the official Titan shop of 2TONE Uncensored. Tighten up. You're listening to 2TONE Uncensored, brought to you by Podbean. All right, we're back from that quick commercial break. Now, guys, we've talked about a lot of stuff on this show. But one thing I wanted to bring up real quick before we dive back into a lot of the stuff we were talking about is our unit rankings in AFC South, mainly on offense, is something that I was talking to somebody today and yesterday. And, I mean, if you look at it right now, I think we have, you know, the second best Best quarterback in the division, best tight end in the division, best wide receivers in the division, best running backs in the division, uh, best offensive line, obviously, in the division. On the defensive side of the ball, let's say defensive line, linebackers, and secondary, where do you think you'd rank us? It's a much tougher question, isn't it? When you talk about like the running backs, they're the conversation the best in the league 
like legitimately the league. Our defensive line outside of Casey, there's a lot of questions there. I, I would much rather have Houston's defensive line than ours, even with the injuries that they've had. I, I, I think Houston's got the best defensive line. I would probably put the Jaguars second, us third, than the Colts. Until, you know, Jones and whomever we decide to use at nose tackle shows up to give Casey some help and to be a good combination player with Morgan on the other outside edge, our defensive line is average to me. We got a superstar in Casey and a bunch of, I don't know what I'm going to get every day, you know, every play even, uh, from the rest of our defensive line. So I would put us third in the division on defensive line. Yeah, it's definitely a harder question to ask. I think, you know, if you want to take it to the other step for the linebackers, I'd say that Jacksonville has better linebackers than we do, even though as a whole, don't get me wrong. I do think when you get a Brian Arakpo 100% healthy, he could be the best linebacker in our division. But as a whole, I mean, Jags have a lot of talent there at linebacker with Dante Fowler, Miles Jack, and, and Miles Jack's actually going to be stepping into a new role as middle linebacker, calling the calling the plays. Uh, secondary, you know, obviously we're not quite there. I don't know. I don't know the the rivals secondary that well without looking it up. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to make something up, but. You know, running back is definitely one of our strengths for the league. If we if we aren't the best running back duo, you know, I'd have to sit down and think about who's better. But uh, we we haven't quite seen all of Derrick Henry as far as what he can do. I know uh, this past week they were talking about how great his uh, pass catching has, has really come come into fruition. So, but as a whole, it's hard to say where we stand on defense in the mix D line obviously goes to Houston. I'll say Jacksonville gets the linebackers as far as secondary goes. I don't know that I can name any, anybody that stands out on Houston. I know Jacksonville's not that great outside of Ramsey and the Colts really don't have anybody. So I, honestly, this division as a whole, the secondary is probably their weakest link. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I bet all the quarterbacks are looking at going, you know, there's no corners on this, in this division right now. You got Ramsey, who's he's only had one season, but you know, all signs that he's going to be a great corner here at some point. The Titans got a lot of potential, but we don't know anything about it. The same thing, you know, going down there in Houston is their, their secondary is less than it was last year. Uh, they still have that awesome front seven to help them out, though, so they're going to be okay. Our safeties, I, I like our safety combination now. I, I think we're probably one of the better ones, but J- Jacksonville's defense as a whole is probably a little bit better than ours we just have to see what their what the new coach does with that group it's just our, our defense isn't there yet we we got a bunch of guys who got to step up and make big plays for us before we can really judge this group because so much has changed in the last year and a half yeah and it's too early to say but i will add this in quick because i just thought about it malik hooker on the colts uh secondary you know he's not there yet he hasn't played it down to football yet but uh, the guy's potential is scary, and we were just talking about this the other day, how we all wish that he was not a uh, Indianapolis Colt because, you know, the potential's through the roof with that guy. He's coming off, you know, he hasn't played a lot at Ohio State. He's coming off that injury. You know, hopefully, you know, I, I don't like to, to jinx anybody from, from an injury standpoint, but when you're a Colt and that guy's got scary talent, I think he could be very Ed Reed-like. 
it's not somebody I want to face, you know, two, two times a year. But if, if that's all they have on their secondary, then I think we can do our best to stay away from him. But he's definitely going to be a standout in the next few years. Yeah, he's absolutely a problem. Yeah, I would, I would agree with a lot of your rankings here. I think third on the defensive line is good. Although I do think that Jacksonville has some proving to do. They have some solid guys up there, but they, they you know they have to come together and prove it. A lot of Jacksonville's defense is like this. You, it's hard to rank them, probably harder than any other team in the division on defense because you just don't. There's a lot of question marks. There's a lot of guys that have a ton of talent, but you just don't know if they're going to produce or not, whether it be injury or whatnot. Um, but right now, I'd say defensive line objectively, it, it's third. Linebackers, I'd put us third with the Colts behind us. And then secondary, I don't know, it'd be tough. I think that the Texans have a better secondary than we do. The Colts, you know, Malik Hooker is definitely promising, but he's still a rookie. And outside of that, it's not impressive. The Jags, like you said, outside of Ramsey, it's not that impressive. So I think it'd be maybe tied for second with every team that's not Houston. Um, that leads me into the next question, guys. Obviously, our, our defense isn't up to the par that our offense is. Do you think that this offense has what it takes week in and week out to overcome the setbacks that we have on defense? And let's say, assuming we don't pick anybody else up, we're starting the defense we have now. I do. I mean, you know, we won nine games last season. I think a few of those games could have went the other way, probably should have went the other way, with probably the worst secondary that we may ever see on the Titans. I mean, it doesn't get much worse than what we just, what, 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 excuse me, what we just went through. So to answer your question, yeah, I think that even with what we have right now, we're going to see a major improvement. And I do think with the offense we have, it's going to be better than last season. So I have very high expectations. It's hard to give a, a win total given our schedule, you know, at, to, to give a number at the beginning of the season, a schedule on paper is always not what you think it is by midseason. So I think 10 wins is realistic. To, to say that they're going to win more than 10 is probably you know more of a, a bold prediction type thing. But, but realistically, I do think we can win more games than last season. We have a better offense, a better defense. And even though our division – did get better. I don't think that they did any more than what we've done. So I, I honestly feel real good about taking this division, and I don't think ten wins is too far fetched. Yeah, I'm right there with you. You know, I, if I had to put money on somebody in this division, it's the Titans. Just you know, as a homer pick or whatever else you want to say that is, it's if you were going to put your hard earned money down on a team in this division to be the most complete team and be ready to win this year, it has to be the Titans. We've just we've made all the moves that everybody else has made. Everybody got better this this year. The AFC South should be a lot more interesting. The the fight is going to be for second place, I think, and that's going to be probably between the Jags and the Colts because I don't think Houston's got a quarterback to have that conversation. Yeah, their, their defense will be pretty good, but the, the the Titans are in the right spot. They're the driver's seat for the division for probably the first time in ten years. It's going to be really interesting to see if we can beat the Colts, you know, once, preferably twice. Uh, that would be a really big change for us. And just if everything will come together and the defense can gel and just hold serve more often than not, we should be able to win 10. Right. I mean, I agree. I think that 
there might be a game or two that we probably could have won. You know, it had it. We made some stops on defense. That's always going to happen when you have one side of the ball that's so much better than the other side of the ball. But we still have some, like, we have weapons on defense. We have some guys that can make plays for you big time on defense. We have, you know, two pro bowlers on defense. You have a, a lot of talent there. It's just, it's not as good. Like we said, we're ranking them like third in almost everything. So let's say the third best defense in the division. We're easily, in my opinion, easily by and far the best offense in our division. Totally so the most complete offense. Uh, yeah, obviously. Yeah, so I think that there's a lot of teams that we're going to play outside of our division that should be easy wins for us. I think there's going to be outside of the division probably you know, three or four, maybe even less than that, really tough games. And, and, you know, you're talking about the Raiders will be a tough matchup. Steelers will be a tough matchup. Uh, Seahawks, obviously a tough matchup. So there's three right there. But, you know, outside of those guys, I don't see a lot of teams that I think we're going to have a lot of problems with. I mean, you're looking at, at teams like the Dolphins. I think we're going to crush them. Browns will crush them. You know, Cincinnati's hasn't been that good. Last year they were really bad. Ravens are still, you know, seeing if they can like put it together. Is you know, there's a lot. San Francisco and the Rams, obviously Cardinals. There's a lot of teams I think that we should be able to just mow over. And, and there's a couple yeah. tough teams outside of that. So I think that ten wins is going to be you know about where we see us. I definitely think we have the offense to carry though. You know what the key factor is going to be with our season this year. It's a matter of whether our it's our linebackers or our secondary. It's a matter of whether we can cover a, a tight end. If we can, the, the gaping holes that we had last season, Dick LeBeau is very well aware of what they were. If we can correct those, whether it's through Jam Brown or Adore Jackson or Logan Ryan, if we can minimize those mistakes and actually cover somebody like Jack Doyle or somebody, you know what I mean? Like if we can cover those guys other than those, those, I mean, those were huge, huge holes that we had, but if we can close those up, there really wasn't that much. We were a good tackling team last season. You got to remember that we have a legend as defensive coordinator and this is his what second, third year coming into this. Yeah. Third year, um, second year as coordinator. Right. So, I mean, you know, he's starting to get the guys he wants to play these positions. So I think it is going to actually – you look at how the front office has changed in such a short amount of time. If we can our, – our offensive line has changed in such a, a short amount of time. If we can get the secondary right or even, you know, kind of right, to just to the point where we're not giving up ridiculous plays to average tight ends, I think that those are going to be the difference between wins and losses. Absolutely. And, you know, that's one of the things that they've been talking about this offseason is just trying to find that linebacker that can cover a tight end. And there's been discussion that we found him in our rookie. But it's going to – got to see it and they got to prove it because you know, what you just said, the gaping hole in the middle of the field. You know, e- even with the changes we've made at safety, we still don't have coverage guys back there necessarily. We thought Byard was going to be an interception machine and – he did okay, but he he didn't prove to be the difference maker for our secondary. It should get better just with the players that we've brought in. But someone's going to have to step up and prove that they, they can cover a tight end, that they can actually go out there and make a difference in the passing game 
in the middle of the field in the short uh, the, the short range. We just we we got a lot of questions to go on there because that's what gutted us all last season. And in crunch time, that's going to be what makes the difference. Uh, if we have to bring extra people in to help out covering the middle of the field, that weakens the entire defense, and it just opens us up to lose in the playoffs if that happens that way. But I, I think with what we've got, we can make the playoffs just based on our offense and just the defense in general. But that's the question we all want to know. Can, did they do, without making any player changes, did they do something about tight ends? Just It killed us all last season. Yeah, you weren't here with us last week, Glenn, but I, I profess my love for uh, Kevin Byer. Chris actually brought it up, and I, I went a step further, where Chris's bold prediction was in the next three years, Kevin Byer would be a Pro Bowl safety. I said it wasn't that bold, and I could see it in the next two years. My expectations for Byard, I have extreme – with the addition of Jonathan Cyprian, I really think that's going to open up Byard's real talent. We saw more of – instead of the ball hawk that we expected, we saw more of the short tackler, uh, despite what Ryan may say about his ankle tackles. But I, I do think with what we've added to our defense, it's going to open up Kevin Byard's real playmaking skills and – I told him it really wasn't that bold of a prediction for three years. I I went ahead and said I would say in two years. But maybe I'm just on the drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm not sure. But I got high expectations for Bayard. Yeah, my problem with him making the Pro Bowl is going to be if we're going to the playoffs, he shouldn't be available for the Pro Bowl. That would be nice. But also, <laughs> you know, guys like Hooker are coming in that are going to make it a lot harder for our safety to make it into the Pro Bowl here in the next few years. And that's uh, fine. Listen, I'm okay with that. If, I, if he, I know, man. If, if he puts the plays on the field, I could care less if he actually goes or not. True he can be Listen, he can be all pro and not make the Pro Bowl. You know what I mean? But, oh, I know. It happens all the time. People get snubbed all the time. Probably not from this team much longer, though. You know, We saw a real change this year, and it's going to keep going that way. When you win, you go to the Pro Bowl. That's how that works. I, I'm a big fan of Byard as far as his potential. I just needed to see it on the field on a regular basis. I thought that he definitely outplayed uh, Johnson last year. There was no question that he was the better safety. And now we've got three guys back there. We've got Cyprian, we've got Cerse, we've got Byard. It's going to be a struggle for playtime. I don't think Cyprian comes off the field because he's such a sure tackler. And he may help out you know, over the middle. The, the outside linebacker I was talking about, Jayon Brown, we're hearing great things from camp about how he can cover a tight end, how, how good he is in space, you know, shutting down Delaney Walker. All that changes when the pads get put on, obviously, because Delaney Walker will beat you, beat the crap out of you once you put some pads on him, and he's allowed to just go full speed. <laughs> you know, there's a good chance that Jayon Brown ends up face down in the dirt with you know, Delaney stepping on the numbers on the back of his uh, jersey. But we'll see what happens. You know, if he comes in and he can be our corner cover guy. I mean, our, our tight end cover guy, that takes care of a lot of problems for this defense. It lets everybody else be better. And like you said, you know, Cyprian will free up Byard, so he's not trying to cover for – and this is the problem I had for Griffin, too, is our corners were always making mistakes that the safeties were covering for. And then we never had another corner who could be trusted down in the box, so the other guy always had to keep his eyes out, too. I think Byard does have a chance, like you said, to show out a little bit in the ne- this year next year. It was pretty quick here that he's got some quality that he'll get a chance to be out there making plays. Just the, the NFL spacing is different. The speed is different. Maybe he needs a little bit of time to adjust, but I want to see it uh, before I can answer that question. Yeah, I mean, we saw from Byard, we saw two picks in, in the preseason, and 
didn't see much of the ball hawking throughout the year. And he was a better tackler than I figured he would be from a lot of his tapes in college. Well, he wasn't a terrible tackler, but it was just a lot of wrapping up at below the knees where I gave him the ankle biter name. And, and this year he was good. He, he definitely whiffed on a few, but more tackles than not, for sure. But, I mean, he definitely had some missed tackles. It's something, though, that I feel like he was doing what he had to do within that defense and not what he does best, if that makes sense, guys, where he had to come up and make plays because we didn't have guys that did that. And then now I think with when we add more guys back here, like Cyprian, like Matt was saying, and we add Logan Ryan, guys like that, it's going to free Byard up to maybe go back into that ball hawk mode that we saw in college out of him where he can play a little bit more of that center fielder rather than than pressing up because we need him to. When you get guys that can do their job, it frees you up to do a lot more. So, I mean, hopefully we see it from in the future. A couple more I wanted to bring up, guys. We talked about the running backs a little bit tonight. And Matt said earlier, you think they're near the top of the league. So I wanted to ask you about our running backs and then our offensive line. Would you say that this is the best Two punch the best duo running backs in the in the entire NFL. You know, I wrote a list. The best proven successful group. I think we're number two. You probably have to put Freeman and Coleman in there. Number one, they went to the Super Bowl this year. They were unstoppable as a tandem. I think Murray and Henry are right there with them. You know, I, I would rather have Murray and Henry than Freeman and Coleman. But it's really damn close. Uh, after that, you're talking to new new combinations. Uh, we've got Latavius Murray and Dalvin Cook. That should be a really good combo for the Vikings. But their offensive line is crap. We'll, we'll see what they can do. And we've never seen Dalvin Cook in the NFL. We don't know what he's going to end up actually being. And Latavius Murray, we'll see what, how he can do behind an offensive line. It's a little bit more suspect than even what the Raiders put out there. So I, I would probably put them in the 3-4 spot. The other combination that I had was Ingram and Peterson in New Orleans. With with a quarterback like Drew Brees back there, you're probably going to see a little bit more freedom for Peterson, but once he got left in the tank, can the Saints actually block for a running back? And you know how much do Ingram and Peterson actually get to be the impactful players in the offense down there? So we're definitely one or two on terms of successful pairs. I think we're number two behind Freeman and Coleman, but I think we could be number one this year. Yeah, we're primed for that number one spot. I mean, we have not even seen close to what Derrick Henry can do. I think with – all I know is our offensive coordinator is going to have his hands full with all the weapons we have on the field. DeMarco Murray, for one, was the third best uh, rusher last season. Derrick Henry, to be added to that mix, we haven't seen – barely anything from him i mean we got a small taste of what he can do we haven't used him in the passing game i don't know that we will but i know that they've been working him out in that area in in these little mini camp otas but yeah i i don't think new orleans is really a threat but you could definitely say the atlanta duo is, is up there for sure mark ingram i think is actually going to not necessarily you know, fade away, but I think Peterson takes away from what Mark Ingram brings to that team. So, um, 
I put no effort. I, I sure as hell didn't make a list. I, <laughs> I didn't come prepared at all. But, you know, top of my head, Glenn made great points with those two teams. I, I can't think of anyone else top of my head that even compares to the guys that we have. DeMarco's only 29. I don't know. The, the way the league talks about him, it's like, you know, it's Derrick Henry's time, this and that. He's only 29. Like, they say 30 is, is the, the cliff that you fall off of once you turn as a running back, but he's got at least two, three more years of, like, great production left. To add those two together, I, if Derrick Henry turns into what he should, we're going to take that top running back spot for sure after the season. Yeah, I think so too. Right now, I'd put us at two. I, I think that Ingram and Peterson are – I don't think that you know fans are going to get exactly what they think they're going to get out of those two this year. I think it's going to be a, a disappointing pairing. Uh, I don't think that they're going to be like terrible, but I don't think it's going to be – uh, you know, this this duo that everybody thinks is going to take the nation. You're talking about Ingram, who's a solid guy that's always injured, and, and an ancient Adrian Peterson. Hey, I just don't think that's going to be a good pairing. I don't think that they're in our class, to be honest. The one is is Atlanta with, with Tevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman. Those two really complement each other well. Those are the only people I'd put ahead of us right now. And, you know, just coming off that season last year, they were so good and so complimentary. Both of them can catch the ball out of the backfield well. Both run well. I think that we can be that. I think we can be better than that. We just haven't seen it yet. We haven't seen uh, Derrick Henry get enough touches for us to be able to say that we're past them. But I think that maybe not this year, but the following year, we're going to be the best. I think it can happen this year. I just don't think you're going to see Henry get enough touches again. I don't think you're going to see him get the touches that Tevin Coleman does. So that's why I would say that it would be hard-pressed to look at the stat line and put us over them. But I think the year after that, for sure. Because I think the year after this one, you're going to see the the carries get closer to 50-50. And that's when we're going to take over as the best... Um, running back duo in the league but I think right now we're number two and that's the only people I'd put ahead of us is that Atlanta group outside of that I don't think anybody's in our class Um, and then offensive line guys there's been a lot of talk about this because obviously pro football focus ranked us number one at the end of the season Uh, a lot of people have brought that up but obviously there's still a great offensive line in Dallas where would you rank this offensive line going into this season I'm gonna say top three for sure Behind Dallas, and they had a loss this year, so they may not be as good next year. I thought Dallas did a better overall job, uh, but they also had just a tremendous season going on. But we're number one, number two, which is surprising to me because I still have questions about our guards. I just I'm not one thousand percent sure I like our guards as much as um, their production has been great. You know, I'm taking absolutely nothing from them. Uh, I'm really amazed at how well our offensive line played, even as you know injuries you know took a toll on us. We we got better after Warmack left. Klein surprised me. I thought that you know he was an upgradable player. Spain much better than I thought. Uh, he played through some what looked like a bunch of injuries before he finally had to step out and miss a game or two, and he played really well. Kelly showed a lot of great value as a 
swing tackle playing on both sides. I was really impressed with our offensive line. I was more impressed than I thought I would be with them. I don't understand how they're as good as they are other than just having Marcus and a great pair of running backs will make everybody look better. And then having a guy like Delaney, you know, where a linebacker needs to drop back and cover him. It makes me want to look around at the league a little bit more and see what other people are doing with their offensive lines, that they are better than they are because we didn't make a lot of big changes. We basically brought in Ben Jones for a center, uh, some backup undrafted guys for our guards and then a rookie. And now that rookie turned out to be one of the best tackles you're ever going to see as a rookie playing on the opposite side of uh, Taylor. But our offensive line was so much better than I thought they would be. It's hard for me to believe they're going to be that good again this year. I just, I'm waiting to see it happen. Exactly. I'm in the same boat. I don't know that they can live up to that again. I will say that I think we got a lot more, depth than maybe some of the other teams. I wouldn't say we're number one and maybe that's just me being, you know, spe- uh, skeptical, but I mean, you look at the top teams, obviously Dallas comes to mind. I think Oakland has a good line. I'm not familiar with what they have at depth. I think we might have a better depth uh, situation than those guys have, but to live up to what they did last season, it could happen. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I mean, they, they came from out of nowhere and put a great season together. I would say easily top three for sure, if not, you know, one or two. But to come in and do it again would be very impressive. I don't expect them to, like, you know, fall flat on their face by any means, but to, to come out and do what they did last season, I, w- I would be very impressed. If I had to rank them, I'd put them right above uh, probably Oakland. And right below Dallas, being honest, I, Dallas has such a good offensive line right now. I think we're right there, though. I think that it wouldn't blow my mind if, if Pro Football Focus at the end of next year had us outranking Dallas again. And, you know, it wouldn't blow me away. But, uh, you know, we had a lot of guys step up. The one thing I will say is we are, in my opinion, untouched as the most promising uh, NFL line. Because you look at the age of these guys, you know, Ben Jones and Josh Klein are 27. Conklin is coming out of his rookie year. Lawan has only been in a couple of years. Spain's only been in, what, two years. It's a really young group. So if these guys stay together and keep playing, I mean, you're talking this offensive line could stay exactly the same and, and be one of the best units in the NFL for years. I mean, years. Uh, there's so much youth on this line. I mean, when you're talking about the oldest guy on your line's 27, that's that I mean, that's awesome. And I think that we're going to be, you know, a top five unit for several years to come now because of these guys. And you can always plug in depth, and you know, you could obviously upgrade it at guard if you wanted to. But these guys have all really proven themselves and have been outstanding for Tennessee. It's it, it's been a special unit, but I definitely think it's the most promising offensive line in the NFL. You spend the picks and you come up with winners, and it's really hard to come up with you know, several winners. And the fact that we got Klein off the waiver wire, we made a pointless trade and came up with Kelly. You know, Quentin Spain, he was undrafted, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, and what this line does is it highlights the difference that coaching change can make. Because this, this line isn't, other other than 
They're bringing in a great rookie tackle. This, this line is a waiver wire guy, a guy that we traded away DGB for, and you know it was a pick that we're just like, well, great, we got Dennis Kelly. I guess that was better than just giving him away for like a seventh round draft pick. Um, you know, and then you've got an undrafted free agent in uh, Spain. That the coaches took this group, said this is what they do well. This is what we're going to do so they work well with the other guys around them. And we're going to play to those strengths. And that just, it shows you, you know, the, the complaint we had with Wizenhut was he wasn't playing the guy's strengths. He was like, you're going to fit into my scheme. I'm not going to adjust my scheme to fit what you do well. And these coaches are saying, okay, you can win doing this, this, and this. That's what you're going to do. You know, it's, it's obvious that the whole mentality of the team has changed. Instead of having an egomaniac like Wizenhut here who just – he, he, it's his way or get it, get the hell out, and if it doesn't work, it's not his fault. We have a bunch of coaches that are taking ownership of the plan. They're little guys out there making the plan. It's their responsibility to make sure we win, and they're putting guys in position to be great. And it's it's paying off in spades, and everybody should just love what's happening with the Titans. Yeah, and you got to give a little bit of credit to the Big Ten, talking about both of our tackles coming from Michigan and Michigan State. You know, Klein, I think, came out of – Kent State just below that, so a lot of Midwestern guys on that team. Um, one more thing before we get out of here I wanted to bring up. Real quick, guys. We know, obviously, that we brought in Decker. It's going to add a lot of mouths to feed along you know, in our wide receiver core. How do you think this affects our tight ends and Delaney Walker and the, and the rookie, Jonu Smith? It's definitely going to affect, I don't think, as much Delaney Walker as it will Johnny Smith. But uh, there's definitely going to be a, a, a lot of different sets that we see. You cannot take Delaney Walker off the field. I don't care for anybody. The guy is a monster and uh, probably our best overall pass catcher on the team right now. You know, you will see some sets with him off the field, but it, it's not going to be often. The guy needs to be on the field. As far as Johnny Smith goes, you know, having that second spot probably locked up. I don't see I don't see Supernaw beating him out. I don't see Jason Morrow beating him out. You will probably see him. You know, it's the same type of thing with with Taewon Taylor. You know, those are the two guys that kind of you know get shit out of luck on this deal. Uh, but at the same time, you know, people. People I've seen, the only negatives I've I've heard or read about this Decker signing is, oh well, he's gonna you know the the Corey da- or um, yeah the Corey Davis is, is going to regress and this and that. Corey Davis is not going to come out and light the league on fire in his rookie season. He's he's just not. I think it's going to help Corey Davis. I think that with Decker on the team, the experience he brings, you know, he's going to basically show these guys what they need to do, where they need to be and help them along. I don't expect any, I don't, I don't expect Smith Taylor or Corey Davis to come out, you know, week one and just be the elite receivers that we want them to be. I think that it's going to take time. And I think that, you know, this one year deal is, is great because we're basically kicking the tires on Decker. Nothing's guaranteed. Let's not forget. It wasn't too long ago when we had, DeMarco Murray come in, you know, a lot of people were kind of skeptical on him, on what he could bring coming off of his year in Philadelphia. So I do think that Eric Decker's in a similar situation where he will do well. Delaney Walker is not going to be taking off the field very often, if at all. And uh, as far as the other guys that go, I think they're 
obviously in a situation where they need to learn the playbook and learn learn the process and how to do things. So I, I think he's going to help out from a team standpoint tremendously. Yeah, he, he's going to be the guy that comes in and shows everybody what it means to be an NFL receiver. Matt Matthews has been an off-and-on guy. Uh, this would technically be his down year uh, if you look at his history. So bringing in a guy like Decker helps everybody. Uh, unless you truly believe that Corey Davis is going to be Randy Moss, you're not worried about how he performs this year other than just showing us you know, good promise. The people are saying he's going to have 1,200 yards and 15 touchdowns. You're, you're dreaming. I would love that to happen. This isn't that offense. Whether he's that player or not, this is not that offense. That's not going to happen. You know, So bringing in Decker, he shows guys – Instead of being that coach on the field, like when we talk about Harry Douglas, who I believe is going to end up being a coach instead of a coach on the field. Uh, I don't know if you guys addressed that last week or not, but I think Douglas is done at this point. I think he ends up being an assistant coach. He gets waived and re-signed as a coach. Decker will be that guy who can go on the field and show you what he's talking about works. Uh, when he's out there making great catches in the red zone, running perfect routes, he's right where he's supposed to be when Marcus releases the ball. He's going to show these guys what happens whenever you do everything else right. It's not just catching the ball. It's where you are on your route. Are you on time? Did you block well for the run? He does all of that stuff really, really well. So he's going to come in, set the example. Everybody's going to get better. Just because Corey Davis isn't the number two receiver, isn't getting the ball every other time we throw it, doesn't mean that he's not going to be a much better receiver for playing a year with Decker, possibly more. I do think Harry Douglas, his way of making it back on this team is as a coach. I don't think that that Douglas is going to be able to to cut it because of how expensive he is compared to a lot of the guys that he's competing with. And a lot of them are a lot younger and a lot cheaper. And that obviously is going to have an effect. But I'd welcome bringing a veteran like like Harry Douglas in and a guy that has the relationship with these guys and has the connection with these guys already, obviously, uh, you know, a great, you know, turnaround pick for for a coach. I think that's a, an excellent idea if that's the path that Douglas wants to take, you know, if this is the way he wants to end his career, if he wants to try to get somewhere else. I mean, we'll have to see. And I do think this, you know, going back to the original question about the tight ends, I do think it limits their production a little bit because I think, you know, there's a lot of mouths to feed. You have Delaney, you have Decker, Matthews, the rookie, and Corey Davis. There's a lot of guys. Plus, the running backs were both pretty solid at catching the ball out of the backfield last year. There's a lot of mouths to feed, so it's going to take a little bit of the production away. But Delaney Walker is still going to be Marcus Mariota's safety blanket. He's still going to be the guy that on that third down, you find him that crossing route, that short route that you, you just know you're going to get first down. And, you know, so Marcus is, is really coming up well, but he's still a young quarterback, and you want that safety blanket. And, and I think Delaney Walker's still going to be that guy. So I think that Walker's still going to be able to get very good production. Yeah, I mean, Walker, like you guys both said, there's no question he's still going to get his touches. But like he said last year, he's fine with not getting 100 catches if the team is doing better and winning for it, he shouldn't have to be the main focus on the offense. So Decker coming in, shuffling the offensive, just the offensive focus a little bit on the wide receiver group where 
you've got a number one guy who can play in the slot. He can play any of those three positions because he's, he's a big target, runs great routes, great hands. He takes away that need for that second tight end all the time. Before this signing, I, th- I was thinking we're still going to have a lot of two tight end sets. I was thinking Johnny Smith's going to get a bunch of, uh, bunch of time on the field, and he'll still get some. But we, we like to run like three tackles out there, so he won't get as many chances to block in that in that situation because we have Dennis Kelly who we can put out there. We won't be running as many two tight end sets in passing offense because we have two, three really good receivers, or we should. So it does impact after Delaney. There won't be as much time for him to develop, but it also gives as, as much opportunity for him to get game time development. But it also takes a lot of the pressure off of him where now he can sit back there and learn from Delaney and not have to perform as much this first year and be more comfortable next year. And we'll, we'll see what the offense looks like then. But he, I think he helps him coming in. helps everybody else in the offense. It certainly is going to draw some of the extra attention from the secondary, the opposing teams. You have to pay more attention to the fact that you've got Eric Decker out there now. So that should help out the running backs. I was really expecting us to see a lot more two tight end sets. I think we don't now. I see, think we see a lot more, a lot more two wide receiver sets with a fullback and just use the extra power to run because we have two wide receivers that can win on the outside. And then whenever you go to three, you've got Corey Davis out there. Maybe you put Davis and Matthew on the outside. You run Decker in the slot. Whatever you want to do with it, it gives you so many more options. Like you said earlier, Ryan, the offensive coordinator, Rubisky, he's got everything he wants to play with. He's got a full deck now. He can do whatever he wants on offense with the reasonable expectation that it should be able to work. And just play action should be just vicious this year because we have great running backs and now a solid receiving core. Any way you slice it, guys, you know, we were talking about all year, like last year, John Robinson wants guys that come in, work hard, and are team-first kind of guys, and that's exactly what we got in Eric Decker. A lot to be excited about, and, you know, as much as it makes the crackheads you go crazy, um, it's nice to have the hype train around. It's nice to have that building around this team. But that's about all the time we have for this week. Write in your mailbag questions for next week if you want to hear them on the show. Also, do not forget about the trivia next week. We'll be unveiling that. Very excited about it. So if you want to win those awesome tickets, definitely, definitely tune in early as you can next week when it comes out. Should be out Wednesday as always. Thanks a lot to all you listeners that make this show possible. Thanks a lot to my awesome co-hosts, Matt and Glenn. Everybody tighten up. Tighten up. Big Dick Decker. No, not. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Two-Tone Uncensored podcast. You can listen to the show at twotoneuncensored.podbean.com or by downloading the Podbean app on your mobile device. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at twotoneuncensored and like us on Facebook. You don't know where to get the real big dick, you know what I mean? Man.